What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold, but the takes are hot. Got episode 41 coming at you today with a little NHL standings update, golf from this past weekend, and what we got coming up this next weekend, uh, NFL combine recap, franchise tags, contracts that got signed in the last couple days, um, some Aaron Rodgers news, obviously our quarterback uh, mini-series with the quarterback carousel, um, and then we got the ice bath to kind of uh, cool us off as we end the episode, but I'm going to let Brett kick it off uh, and turn up the heat as we get started today. Yeah, for sure. Good to be back. Uh, episode 41. Um, as we normally do, kick it off with either a NBA or NHL standings update. This week we have NHL, so uh, I'll hit the East. The East is, I'd say, a good bit better than the West, as you have four te- the top four teams in the East are better than any team in the West, but the West is really packed. Um, should be fun to see how the West shakes up down the stretch. Uh, a lot of movement could be going on up and down the leaderboard or the standings. Um but for the East, in eighth, right now we have the Pittsburgh Penguins, 31-22-9 and at 71 points. New York Islanders are in seventh at 32-25-8 and eight, 72 points. New York Rangers in sixth at 35-19-9, and nine, 79 points. Tied with them with 79 points are the Tampa Bay Lightning in fifth. Um, Maple Leafs in fourth at 38-17-8 and eight, with 84 points. Um, New Jersey Devils in third, 41, 15, and six with 88 points. Uh, the Hurricanes, the Hurricanes are 41, 12, and nine. They have 90 points. Um, the Boston Bruins are 49, eight, and five at 103 points. So far and away, the best team in the league right now, the Boston Bruins. They pretty much have been wire to wire since the season kicked off. Um, but I'll go back a little bit and turn up the heat real quick. Did forget to get to it uh, to kick it off before I jumped into the standings. Um, mine's a pretty pretty hot. If, I mean, it's kind of like a niche thing. I think a lot of people don't like a minty taste, and I feel like I'm one of the lesser population that does. So my take is that the Shamrock Shake from McDonald's is the best shake out there year-round um there's a few shakes that compete with it i think the dr pepper shake from whataburger is really good um but in terms of overall i think i don't know if it would be as good if it was around year-round just because it's such like a specific time for saint patty's day and it's always just incredible i've probably had it for since i was five or so it's just one of the best shakes out there Interesting. All right. I, I personally never had it, um, but it does sound good. Um, I am a big mint fan myself as well. Um, I guess if I had to pick the best shake out there, I don't even know. Honestly, actually, I do know. I don't know if I could give you a specific one, but there's a restaurant. There used to be one in Austin. Um, they don't have it's closed now. They're they're mainly um, Southern California, like Los Angeles based. I only I know about him because the guy who owns it used to be my neighbor um, when they lived in Austin for a few years. A restaurant called Fat Sal's. Um, they've got some serious, some serious. Like go look up the menu. They probably have the best shakes I've ever had. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'd go with. But again, I've never had the Shamrock Shake show. Maybe I'll maybe I'll try it this St. Patty's Day. Get my get my green in. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I'll go to my turn up the heat here. I'm keeping it food related. This week, uh, following along the lines of Brett, um, also going with the best of a, of a category. I'm going to say that Evie Mays Barbecue in Lubbock, Texas, is the best. Technically, it's in, in Wolferth, but it's Lubbock. 
Um, it's the best barbecue spot I've ever been to. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been to a lot of barbecue places, um, you know, driving from Austin to Corpus Christi to go fishing with my dad and, um, you know, his buddies. We would usually stop in Lockhart on our way home, uh, get barbecue at, um, I mean, there's a bunch of places. Uh, the, the, I guess the most popular place in, in Lockhart is the original Black's Barbecue. Um, they have a couple of smaller locations in Austin, and then there's a like an offshoot um, of the family that went and did their own thing at like Terry Black's. Um, but they're all really good. Black Black's was originally like what was my best barbecue place. There's a couple of places. Um, Cooper's Barbecue out in Lano, Texas is is pretty well known. Um, a couple of places in Dallas I've been to as well. But of all like the the big name bar, Evie Mays is definitely the best one. Um, just from an all around standpoint and not to mention they do have free beer for those that are as, that are of age to enjoy. Um, they don't have a liquor license and an alcohol license. They can't sell alcohol, can't sell liquor. Um, so they just have free beer and like seltzers. I think they have like a couple bottles of wine and like the coolers, um, kind of along the line. Um, like when you say online, there's a, there's a big cooler up front. So, um, usually stocked full with, you know, whatever, you know, whatever light beer, typically like they have some shiner as well, a couple seltzers. Um, like it's a couple bottles of wine, which I was impressed by, but, um, me, I'm, I'm of age, 21 years old. So took, partook in a couple of Miller lights, uh, when I went there last time, going to go there this week. It was on the mind cause I'm going there the, uh, this Saturday, uh, I'll be at home for spring break. So our home, I guess I'll be in Lubbock for spring break. So my parents are coming up for a couple of days to come see me since haven't seen me since Christmas break. So, uh, we're going to take them to Evie Mays. I'm um, definitely going to have a few Miller Lights while I wait in line and enjoy my barbecue. Um, but, yeah, Evie Mays barbecue is awesome, dude. The brisket's really good. Um, sausage is really good. Uh, the ribs are great. Uh, you really like the turkey there, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, probably going to try that this time. Uh, try a couple of different things. Um, the chicken looks phenomenal. I tried a little little bit of it last time I was there. Didn't get it myself, but somebody I was with got it, and I got, they offered me a, a small piece to sample, and I – course wasn't going to turn that down so evie mays top the barbecue list um although we are gonna we are gonna be trying i'm gonna forget the name of it because i always forget when we're recording the place on the way to amarillo yes yeah we're gonna have to go give that a go when we go to a sod poodles game at some point Um, we're gonna have to give the place in amarillo a go or outside or in between amarillo and lubbock supposed to be uh really good but evie mays top the list right now yeah for sure uh i think i've when I've been there, I think I've been there two or three, I think three times. Um, you know, they open at 11. You got to get in line right about then. And then from there, you got to figure out what are the six or seven meats that they serve. What do you want? I mean, they have obviously two, three meat plates. Um, I've had turkey, sausage, ribs, brisket. It's all been really good. Um, next time I'll go back, I'll try whatever I haven't had yet. Can't really miss with them. Um you know, solid sides for the most part as well. They have really good desserts. Um, really solid. But yeah, Regino's Barbecue. I believe Olton is the town. Um, it's a, it's like right in the middle almost between Lubbock and Amarillo. So definitely want to get there um, hopefully in the coming months. So hit it up, give it some review and, you know, compare it to Evie Mays. Uh, but yeah, Evie Mays really, really good. Definitely want to go back there sometime soon. You know, it's um, it's great. The environment's great. And again, dude, free beer. I mean, the barbecue is expensive, but like you make if you drink a few beers, you know, you're for the cost. So right. um, I'm all about it. It's a big, big pro for me as well, obviously. Um, Obviously, for those that are of age. Please drink responsibly, but I plan on drinking responsibly this weekend. Um, Quite I won't be driving either. 
believe my dad or my mom's gonna drive us there so big win as well there i'm not having to drive um but no that that wraps up the hot takes today kind of turn it up uh, we'll get back to the ice here with the nhl western conference standings update we've got the avalanche sitting at 31 34 21 and 6 74 points on the season the jets one point ahead of them at 75 points and at 36 25 and 3 um I said 36. I'm, I don't know if I said – I don't remember if it just said 26, but they're 36, 25, and 3. I want to get that clear. I don't want to mistake that. The Oilers sitting at 35, 22, and 8, 78 points. The Wild also 78 points at 36, 21, and 6. The Seattle Kraken share the same record in points as the Wild at 36, 21, 6, and 78 points. You got the Stars sitting in third place, 34, 17, and 13 with 81 points. So you got the Kings at 37, 20, and 8 at 82 points. And the Golden Knights sitting at the top, tied in points with the Kings at 82, with a slightly better record of 38, 19, and 6. Um, again, like we've kind of seen throughout, um, the point spread is, you know, 8 from 1 from one to 8 versus the Eastern Conference being a, what, a 32-point spread. So um, pretty pretty right. wild there. Um, no pun intended on the Minnesota Wild. Um, but a pretty large point spread um, in the East compared to the 8-point point spread in the, rest, the West. So it uh, should be interesting to kind of follow. Definitely going to start following a little bit more because we get closer to, you know, April, May, and we get into the Cup. So I'm um, going to start looking forward to it. Um, playoff hockey is always great, dude. I love it. It's electric. So definitely going to start watching maybe a little bit as we get closer um, to the Cup. Season ends, I want to say it's mid-April. I don't know off the top of my head right now. We had, I looked at it earlier today. Yeah, when we were I think doing it's this. about mid-April. Yeah. So I'll probably start looking at um, – you know, a couple more games as we get early April, kind of get down to the stretch here and uh, winning time for these teams. But, um, yeah, it's typical update. Uh, not much has changed over the past few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, the West should be interesting. See how it shakes out with everyone so close to each other. Um, moving up right along here, uh, we got golf up next. So for last weekend, we had the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and that's played at his Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Uh, down in Orlando, Florida. Kurt Kitayama took home the crown. It was his first PGA Tour win. Um, really impressive from him. Um, pretty, you know, established event. Uh, staple on the PGA Tour season to season. He shot nine under on the weekend. So the course played fairly tough. Um, he took home 3.6 mil. So a really good payday for him. Um, I think the American, the strength of the American group finished high again. Uh, you know, you look at um, Sky Scheffler, I think, did pretty well. I can't forget who came in second, but he was American as well. Um, and then next week, we have the Iconic Players Championship that is always played down in Florida as well at TP- TPC Sawgrass in Pontevedra Ver- Beach, Florida. Um, it's the biggest non-major of the season. It has a purse of $25 million. Um Cam Smith, who is now part of the Live Tour, he won the event last year, so he won't be defending his title, obviously, as um, for non-majors on the PGA Tour. You have to be a PGA Tour member. Um, so it'll be fun to see who takes home the um, win this year. Should be big payday for them, somewhere around just over four mil. So um be fun event the biggest event of the season to date until we have the masters in early april um really looking forward to see how what happens and how you know this event kind of shakes out as a lot of the live guys are prepping for the masters um but yeah good golf season so far we have a couple new winners a couple you know veteran winners and i think 
PGA Tours doing the right things right now, increasing the purses a little bit to help compete with the Live Tour. Uh, they're drawing a ton of attention, so it's great for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Masters. Um, obviously, the Live guys going to get to do it, which is um, – if you guys hear anything in the background, my dog Lola is – I don't know if you can hear it or not. I can hear it in my headphones. She's got a – she's going crazy with a bone in the background, so she's trying to be a guest star today, I suppose. Um, here to think that's why. But get back to the uh, the golf here. Um, no, I think um, I'll, I'll, I don't want to spend too much time beating a dead horse with what happened last week with that, you know the results last week and what we got this week. But um, obviously, Players Championship is going to be awesome. It's always a great um, great environment, a great a great golf tournament. Um, always some really good golf that gets played there. Um, but I will say the you mentioned the live guys playing in the Masters. I think it's going to be interesting to see how those guys are conditioned. You know, playing three round tournaments as opposed to um, you know, the PGA guys who have been playing four round tournaments, the Masters a full four round tournament. So I think it's going to be a big um, unforeseen kind of drawback for going to the live unless these guys are prepared for it and they're playing four round. They're they're prepared to play a four, you know, four day, you know, four day tournament, four rounds. Um, but I think it's going to be a drawback that we see. Obviously, Cam Smith, the winner of the players last year, is not going to be able to win it this year. Um, you know, but. I think like the masters, you know, the non, you know, the, the majors, the guys that get to play in, um, you may see guys like Cam Smith who have kind of gone over the live struggle a little bit as you'd expect, maybe a high quality golfer like that to not struggle. They may end up struggling um, just cause it's got to get your body. I mean, nobody really thinks about it, but like walk, like I think there's been more light shit on it for like casual golf fans with tire, but it's hard to play four rounds of golf. It's tiring walking the course. It's miles of walking. Um, you know, it's, it's it's not just easy to go out there and swing the golf club. These guys are putting their whole body into it and on 18 holes, um, you know, for four days straight is difficult in the heat. Um, not to mention, it's not going to be chilly in Augusta when the Masters is played in Georgia. So it's going to be, I mean, nice weather, but it's going to be fairly warm in the heat of the day. These guys will be sweating, walking around, getting dehydrated. So um, it's going to be a big drawback that we see, um, you know, with the live guys. wanted to kind of throw that out there. Obviously, the players is huge, but talking about the live guys playing in the, in the majors, um, especially the Masters, that I'd kind of add that context there and some thoughts on that before we um, get out of the golf segment here. Yeah, for sure. It should be fun to see how the season shakes out down the stretch. Uh, obviously, still have all four majors to play. Still have the players next week. Should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we're getting into major season here pretty soon. Uh, this is kind of the preview to it. Um, next up on the slate, we do have – NFL, a bunch of different stuff to talk about today. We're going to start off with, you know, what went down for the past five days, um, you know, wrapped up on Sunday, Thursday through Sunday. And that was the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, all 32 teams are there up in the press boxes um, with head coach, GM. Uh, I, I don't know if any teams had their owner, but I'm sure a few did. Uh, you know, executive vice president, stuff like that. They're all right there um, assessing the latest talent. Uh, that's going to be a part of the 2023 draft class. And I think, you know, we had four days of action Thursday were um, edge guys and defensive line Friday were defensive backs. So safeties and corners Saturday, we had quarterbacks, receivers and tight ends. And then on Sunday to wrap it up, we had um, linebackers and safeties, right? No, not safeties. Interior offensive line and running backs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was overall the four days. I think it was a revised schedule a little bit. I think it was good, but at the same time, um, 
it was just a little different. Uh, they had the guys in India, I think, for six days this time instead of like four that they normally do. So it was a little more spread out. Uh, I did like the media days were good as they always are. Um, but yeah, just kind of recapping it. I think nothing crazy happened. I thought um, you know Nolan Smith running a four three nine was huge. Um, other than that, not a whole lot. Uh, you didn't see any blazing times. I think we saw DJ Turner lead the way at a 4.26. I can't remember if anyone broke 4.3 other than that, but there were a lot of guys in the 4.3s. I mean, it was it was a good – I enjoyed it thoroughly, I thought. Uh, I thought that the coverage was better this year. Um, you know, I think having DJ and Rich Eisen do – DJ or DJ Jeremiah and Rich Eisen do – or Daniel Jeremiah and Rich Eisen do the bulk of the, the coverage the entire time was really solid. I liked the player guests they had on. I think it wasn't wasn't gimmicky. They weren't trying to pull out, you know, old, old players. It's like I think people get tired of a lot of the old players. They want to hear from current players, especially when they're trying to market at the younger generation to watch, you know, people that are our age and and people that are a little bit older, and, and then obviously the younger generation. They don't know they don't know who Kurt Warner is. And then Kurt Warner was on there, which was fine. I think it's it's fine, but you know, having like like you know the NFL crews they have for like Fox and CBS. It's like nobody really knows those guys. So I like that they had the current players. I like the guys they had out there. Um, it was really cool to see a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of superstars. I mean, like Dallas Goddard was out there. Sauce Gardner was out there. Um, just two guys that I remembered off, off the top of my head, but it's like, it was cool to see high end players out there at the combine doing the coverage. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think people are talking about the receivers are slow. The running backs were slow. I mean, I, I I just think it was a super – it's not a great class for, for receivers. And if you look at the running back class, there's just not a lot of burners in this class. Outside, obviously, Gibbs ran, well, like a 4-3-6, which was an awesome time for him. Yeah. Um, obviously, A-Chain ran the four in the low 4-3s. Um, I think Keaton Mitchell ran in the low – in like the mid-4-3s as well. Um, but just just guys that – it just it's a it, – overall, it's a bigger class. Um, you know, Bijan wasn't going to, you know, start, you know – Set the uh, set Lucas Oil Field the blaze with his 40 time. It wasn't like Charbonnet, Roshan Johnson, um, even like Tajay Spears. And then these guys were expected to run like that. And then receivers, and they just think, um, I, I think the DBs going the day before really ruined expectations for the receivers. You had Christian Gonzalez, who's CB1, go out and run on the four threes, being as big as he is, is absolutely ridiculous at a four three eight. Deontay Banks ran like a four three two. Um, as a, as a potential top five corner for a lot of people, four three five. So it just the, the DB numbers were off the charts this year. Um, at least the corner numbers were re- absolutely ridiculous. So I think it, it, I think it people needed to curb their expectations for the receivers. Obviously, um, it wouldn't get into the kind of guys we want to highlight, but I'll, I'll kind of start with one here in, in, in Jalen Hyatt that I thought he'd run a little little faster than four four, but I don't think four four flat is a bad time by any means. Um. You know, I think overall, he I thought he moved well. I thought he looked good in drills. Um, obviously, Nick, he then I believe he kind of got a little hamstring tightness and did not finish the drills. Um, but again, he looked he looked good. Well, like he looked bad. Um, so I think there was just some super super high and lofty expectations for a lot of these guys um, to go do these have put up these crazy numbers. But I think what gets kind of gets lost in translation is I thought the explosive numbers were great for a lot of guys. I think that overall, like Jalen Hyatt had jumped a 40 and an 11, three broad. Like that's, those are great explosive numbers. Right. So, um, you know, guy came like out a good combine, I think obviously, um, came in small at, at 176, but, 
Um, a lot of guys came in small. Like there was a couple guys, and I'm sure we'll one of us will get to him here in a few minutes. The receiver that was perceived to be a top five guy, or it still still is a top five guy, but likely moved out of a lot of wide receiver one ranking spots for a lot of people because he came in at what like 170, 175. He was small, so um, especially for a guy that didn't, you know, wasn't isn't necessarily a burner. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of I'll, I'll I'll start with that and I'll let you um, kind of take the wheel from here and kind of go whatever direction you want to go with the combine. Yeah, I think the corners were really impressive. Um, when you throw Brian Branch in there as a corner, this is the best corner class we may have ever seen all around. Um, super impressive. But my guy for the combine is my new wide receiver one, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Didn't play really at all this past season, uh, but freakish agility numbers in the three cone. He ran like a four, five, seven or something like that. Um, crazy time so far ahead of the rest of the pack. And then for the shuttle, the 5105, uh, he ran a 393, which was um, about a quarter second faster than the next fastest guy. So super impressive stuff from JSN. And I think really helped his stock a lot. Obviously, he didn't run the 40, but he did everything else. Um, all his routes, I thought, were smooth. Obviously, that's his specialty. Um, really didn't see anything you know wrong with anything he did. Didn't see anything that would be worrisome to NFL teams. Um, so a really impressive week from him just in terms of receivers. So uh, he was, he may have been the re- winner of the week in terms of receivers, but definitely, you know, a good receiver class, but not the best, uh, but definitely has your fair share of traits that you want to see in guys. I mean, he's been my wide receiver one for how long now, you know, since ever we did rankings. So um, I mean, that was a freakish three cone that he did. Um, I mean, a, a six five seven three cone and a three nine three shuttle is dumb. So, um, obviously, a big winner of the week in, in in a weekend where I don't think a lot of receivers really did win. Um, I think like At Perry is a guy who ran a good flick. I'd say Marvin Mims is the winner from this weekend. Actually, if I, looked, if I looked, had to look at receivers, um, he's a big winner. And then I'll also throw out Trey or not Trey Tucker. Um, Trey Palmer from Nebraska ran around a 4-3-3, um, faster than Tyler Scott, faster than Hyatt, faster than Bryce Ford Wheaton, I believe. So just a big weekend for guys to separate themselves as deep threat receivers, which are always overdrafted in the NFL. Um, look at Taekwon Thornton ran like a 4-2-7 last year and then became a second-round pick. Um, so, I mean, I think uh, – but Marvin Mims, I, I'll throw this nugget out there that, um, you know, I don't know how many people heard this, but DJ Jeremiah – I keep saying DJ – DJ, I always call him DJ, but Daniel Jeremiah did a um, his podcast with Bucky Brooks. They do that every day. They did like a recap of the of what happened that day, and he said he talked to a lot of NFL executives and and, and guys scouts from different teams that um, like hey like let's keep Marvin Mims under wraps, guys. Like I, he ran a four three eight, which was awesome, faster than I thought he'd run. And there were some teams that were pissed that he ran that good of a time because it was like man, I I wanted other teams to not find out how good he is. So um, I guess a name to kind of watch for. Kind of coming out of this week, um, kind of see some steam built for him pretty soon as Marvin Mims, receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, and then I guess I'll, I'll kind of pivot to a guy that we we wouldn't be – we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't talk about him. Um, I mean, the, the overall biggest winner of the weekend is Anthony Richardson, right? I mean, everyone knew he'd be super athletic, but he was historically – I mean, this is – he has the best RAS score basically like ever. I mean, it's, it's a perfect 10. Um, he, set, he set a quarterback record for vert. For broad, um, he ran a four four three forty. I mean, he had the best 
he had the bet he had the number one number in every single athletic testing category that he did of a cup quarterbacks. So um obviously none of the quarter I don't think quarterbacks ever bench. I don't think I don't know if any quarterbacks bench this year. They really don't run the shuttles either. So um a four four three forty at two hundred and forty four pounds, six foot four and two eighths is crazy. Um obviously we knew he was super athletic that, that showed up on tape, but um for him to be this athletic and then the throwing looked really, really good. Only missed a couple throws and then he threw the big out well. He threw the go ball well. Like he threw it he threw the balls he needed to throw well. He threw them well, if that makes sense. Um he threw the corner route well. Um so just a guy that I think gets a lot of comps to like Lamar Jackson, I think are wrong. I just don't I don't just think he's a shifty athlete like that. I think um actually my comp for him is Josh Allen. Um just the profile coming out. Um I hate I I, I don't love I per, I don't love player comps personally. I don't I don't like to throw labels on guys like I just want Richardson to be I don't want I want him to be Anthony Richardson. I want him to be Josh Allen. Like I don't want these guys to go be something they're not. I just want them to be themselves. And that's the great thing about the, you know these all these guys are so talented. But if I had to kind of give some context to what I think he is and what he can be coming out of this weekend is is Josh Allen. I mean is he threw what he threw like a 65 mile 62 mile an hour ball. It's ridiculous. Right. Um. So I think the arm strength is obviously there. The athleticism to run is there. The size is there. The explosiveness is there. I think to look at the accuracy. I mean, Josh Allen's he led he led the league in turnover worthy plays per PFF, which not everyone loves PFF, but that's a metric that isn't necessarily. I'm not gonna say it's not debatable, but it's more one of the less uh, subjective metrics. Um, you know, dropped interceptions. Man, that should have been a pick. That should have been a fumble. Like yada yada yada. He still makes the errors and he still has accuracy issues sometimes. Like he still misses throws. Um, not so that he's a he's an, an incredible quarterback. When he gambles, it always it usually always pays off for him. But I think that's the profile we're going to see with Henry, Anthony Richardson is the obviously the athletic upside and the ability to you know make all these great plays. But it, sometimes it's going to bite him. It's it's going to come back to get him. So I think um, you know Josh did not look good his first year in the NFL. He played player. I didn't think he should have played when he came out. Should have sat a year. I think a team, whoever drafts Richardson, should sit him. They may not. Like, I, I don't know. So, um, but I do think that Josh Allen kind of mold is there. Uh, I think he's obviously he's faster than Cam Newton was. So I don't, again, it's not an exact comparison, but in terms of the situation coming out, super young guy, um, I kind of peg Allen as a, as a comp for him there. But obviously, I mean, we couldn't, we, we couldn't do this segment without talking about Richardson and the, the freakish week that he had again, Obviously, we didn't learn he's athletic, but we learned he's historically athletic, which is which is big. And obviously, the way he threw was great as well. So, right for sure. I think he, I mean, after Bryce and CJ, you can talk about what you think the quarterbacks are, and I think some teams may even put Richardson above one of those guys. I don't know if it's many teams, but I definitely think they could. Um, so it definitely shakes up the quarterback. Uh, board for the draft and it should make it interesting but yeah no doubt he had a great week or a great Saturday at the combine Um, pretty much everything he did was great athleticism his throws were pretty solid overall Um, and he can throw it far like you said so uh, definitely another winner but we'll move on to franchise tags now Um, the franchise tag deadline was today at 3 p.m central and there were only six tags used every team gets one tag so six out of 32 teams used their tag and placed it on a player. Uh, we had three on running backs, one on a tight end, one on a D-tackle, and one on a quarterback. So first team that used it was the Dallas Cowboys. They used it on running back Tony Pollard. Kind of an interesting move. Um, one of the more shocking ones that occurred, obviously, 
Ezekiel Elliott has a pretty ugly contract right now, and having both those guys at a pretty substantial cap number is a little confusing. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. It's Apparently they want to keep Zeke. I don't know if they end up actually keeping him, but Tony Pollard's tag comes in at $10.091 million, so just over $10 mil for Pollard, um, which wouldn't be bad if Zeke wasn't on the roster, but with both those guys, it's pretty ugly. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely get one to keep Pollard, and I, and I don't think ten the ten million dollar cap hits terrible. Um, getting a lot of people get caught up in like, oh, it's a running back, his cap hit, like guys, he's valuable to the team, and and this is, I mean, it's a, this was a smart thing for them to do. Um, if they didn't feel like they could get a deal done now, I understand them kind of pushing this and just tagging him and kind of figure it out next year. Um, but they're gonna have, I, 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 you're right, it's ugly with Zeke as well, and I think they're gonna have to restructure him. I think they they're ultimately they're going to. Um, it, it, the Jones family has committed as Ezekiel Elliott as a as a member of the Cowboys for the foreseeable future. So that means they're gonna have to, if they're committed to him, go ahead and just restructure him now. Push the money along, maybe do an extension to go with the restructure. Like, I'm not really sure, but again, they've got to figure out a way to to accommodate Zeke's contract number and bring the cap the cap hit down this year and kind of spread it out. Um, Evan Ingram getting the tag at, at um from Jacksonville. At eleven point three four five million, um, I don't, I don't, I'll be frank, I don't love it. It's a great tight end class. Um, I understand why they want to keep him, but in the same breath, like, why not just commit a? If you're gonna pay him eleven million this year, why not just give him the contract or to let him go and draft one this year? Like, they're gonna be pick, they're picking at what twenty four. They're in position to take a top tight end, whether it's you know. Depends on what teams that like the Packers, the Chargers, the teams that are been pegged as tight end potential teams ahead of them. I don't think both teams take tight ends. Like they could have one of those guys there. Obviously, they see Ingram as more of like a like a big slot, but like Dalton Kincaid can do that. Luke Musgrave can probably do that. So I just I wonder the thought process that went into it. But at the same time, I also understand it was it was vital to that team, vital what they did on offense this year. So I get not wanting to move on from him yet, but um, I just didn't love it in terms of them not just give him a deal. If they, if they're that committed to him, just give him a contract. This is the year to move on from your tight end, right? Like this is the year to do it. So it just confused, it, it confused me to kind of put them in limbo for a year because they ain't, they ain't getting Brock Bowers next year. Put it that way. They're not going to be picking high enough. Probably. Um, unless you're picking in the top 15, you're probably not getting Bowers. So I kind of just wish they would have just given him a contract, but again, I, I kind of understand. So I'm not going to question it. They had a great off season last year. Everyone nitpicked their moves, and they had a great year. So I'm not going to question it too much, but there's a couple things that kind of came to mind when I saw it come, off the, come across the screen. Franchise tags for a tight end are a little weird. Um, a lot of the times you really see franchise tags used on a tight end, yet I think it's confusing just because of how um, the tight end position is. You don't really see, you know, there's a lot of tight ends grouped in the same category, and I think you can easily find one for cheap on the free agency market. Or, you know, via trade offering a day three pick, I think you could get one. So I think putting a tag on it for just under 12 mil is a little crazy to me. Um, that's just my take. Jacksonville did have a great season. Um, you know, obviously they get Calvin Ridley back now, who was reinstated by the NFL. Do have to trade, I think, a second and a fifth. Um, that's a pretty good trade. I think Ridley's a top 10 receiver. At least he was when he was playing last. So. I think Jacksonville's making all the right moves. Uh, but next up, the NFL's rushing leader, Josh Jacobs, received the tag from the Las Vegas Raiders at just over 10 mil as well. It's a 
consistent number for running backs that the franchise tag is placed upon. This was a good move. I think they're going to want to get a contract done, but 10 mil for the NFL's leading rusher is really solid. I'll push back and say, like, in a vacuum, this is a good deal. Why not pick up his fifth-year option? What are we doing here? Is it? I mean, what are we doing here? They tagged him. So they declined the fifth year, basically saying, like, hey, we're done with Josh Jacobs. Like, we're moving on. Then he then he blows it out of the water, has an awesome year behind a terrible offensive line. Granted, his volume was was super high, but still blows it out of the water in a new offense. And then we decide, oh, we're going to tag him now. But we're not going to get a deal done. Obviously, they still have time to, but why not just pick up the fifth year last year? Like, I'd have to go look, and I don't know if I want to go do that right now, but I'm assuming his volume had a serious uptick. And I would bet that Josh Josh McDaniels knew that coming into this, this season. They were going to lean on him. So, the, it, the it, like, the contract itself is fine. It's the process for me that's, like, mind-boggling. Um, add to the list of things the Raiders have done that just don't make any sense to me. Um, Washington Commanders. Give the franchise tag to defense tackle Deron Payne at 18.9 roughly million dollars a year or million dollars next year. Um, you know, I get it. You don't want to lose Deron Payne. He's a great player. Obviously, the idea of the franchise tag is that the money they're making in one year is at or around what they should be making annual average for a contract. Some more, some less. In this case, I think this is about what he had gotten in the open market, probably 20 million if I had to guess. Just because the bidding wars kind of happen. Um, but I just, again, get the deal done. Like, they, they're, they're, if they're not going to get, if they knew they were going to go get Lamar and they didn't want to go get Rodgers and they're committed to Sam Howell for a year and then drafting a quarterback, you can pay, you, you can afford to pay Deron Payne. I don't know what their cap looks like. I don't have spot track or over the cap pulled up, but um, I just like to see him get a deal done. I think they're going, they're a team that's, wanting to get a deal done with the Ron Penn and that they want to keep him there long term. I think this is just in lieu of like, hey, we we're busy at the combine. We're just gonna tag him early and we're gonna get to it later. Um so I I like the tag for for Payne though. It's a good deal. Uh, it's the right move for that team going forward. Pardon me. Yeah, I agree. I think it was smart by the commanders to tag him. Um, you know, one of the main guys in that defense, um, you know, playing really well as a D tackle. So I think that was a smart move. Uh, hopefully they can re-sign him or else it'd kind of be unfortunate to pay him 19 and then see him walk. Um, but yeah, overall, I think this was probably the most common sense um, of the non-quarterback moves. Uh, but another running back move, a third of the six uh, total moves are running backs. It was Saquon Barkley. Um, we'll get to why he was tagged in a minute. Um, but another guy making just over 10 mil. Had a really, really good season this past year coming off a torn ACL a couple years ago. Uh, good to see him get back to his, um, you know, potential, reach his potential again post-ACL. Um, he was definitely, you know, pretty much carried the Giants offense for the whole season, uh, ultimately allowing them to win the playoff game in Minnesota. Um, they wouldn't have been there without Saquon, so I think this was smart. They got him tagged. They got him under contract for next for this upcoming season. Um in hopes, I assume, to strike a long-term deal. I did. I thought this was the best tag of the group. Um, honestly, I mean, I, I love it. it Ten point ten million dollars is 
less than what he would have gotten in terms of an annual cap hit. Um, I like the fact that this is basically like a, hey, prove to us you can be healthy for a second full season. That's ultimately what that what this is. They're going to look to get a team-friendly deal worked out, but at the end of the day, like they were going to let him hit the open market if they couldn't tag, if they couldn't get a deal done with the quarterback. So um, yeah, he was priority two in terms of the tag. So um, which I think is the right way to operate ultimately. We can get to the how I feel about the contract later, but for Saquon, I think this is a good decision for them to get him tagged. Again, prove to us you can be healthy for a second full season, and then we'll get you a contract, which is ultimately what I think is going to happen. Um, so I, personally, I don't think he's going into the season with a contract. I think I think they're going to let this one play out unless they can get to a deal where they feel like, or maybe that maybe they just feel like they're ready to. Me personally, I wouldn't. I would let him get to the season like, hey, let's just. I don't know, maybe like in a good faith effort to get a contract to him now. Um, I'm not really sure. But again, I like this a lot for Saquon. I like them for the Giants getting this done. Um, don't love the corresponding move that was made as much, but I really like this this uh, tag for Saquon. Yeah, I agree. Um, hopefully he's a Giant for a while. He's done a lot for that franchise, and it'd be a shame to see him go, obviously, with him carrying the offense. Um, but another guy that pretty much carried the offense – for the most part, uh, was quarterback Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and him did not strike a deal by 3 p.m. Central today. Um, the non-exclusive franchise tag for quarterbacks is $32.4 million. That is the fully guaranteed number that Lamar will make this upcoming season as of now. The exclusive was just over 45, so they saved some, themselves some money. I think this was a great move by the Ravens. Um, one, you know, once they figured out they couldn't reach a deal, they traveled to Miami to talk with Lamar. He didn't seem too engaged in talks is what came out. Um, depending on what he wants, he's he was offered the second richest contract in NFL history. Um, so this is, really isn't on the Ravens. This is on Lamar being a little greedy. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to pay any quarterback a fully guaranteed deal. The Browns aren't the best-run franchise. Um, so pretty much everything they do can be chalked up as an anomaly if it sounds crazy. Um, but I think obviously the non-exclusive allows other teams to talk to Lamar when the new league year begins on March for March 15th at 3 p.m. Central. So you won't hear of anyone wanting to talk to Lamar until then. A lot of teams came out today. A lot of reporters, four teams. You look at the Panthers, the Falcons, the Commanders, the Dolphins. Um, even someone for the Raiders came out and said they're not interested in Lamar, which. It's smart to say, but you can't believe all of them. While some of them may be legit, you can't believe all of them just because once the new league year begins, that's really the only time you're going to truly know. Um, but I think a couple teams could look to talk to Lamar. I don't know if it's going to be any of those five or others. Detroit's another team that comes to mind that has some cap space, um, would likely have to restructure if they wanted to add guys with Lamar um, with the long-term contract. But if a team does want to talk to Lamar starting on March 15th, they can sign him to an offer sheet and the Ravens then have five days to match the signed offer sheet. If they don't match it, the Ravens will receive two first round picks. Uh, the two first round picks, it'll be the team's highest pick from this year's draft and highest pick from next year's draft. So um, you look at the lines, they have pick six and pick 18. It would be pick six. Um, same with Houston. I don't think Houston would be a suitor, but it would be pick two. Um, and then in terms of the Ravens, if no one offers Lamar a contract, which would be huge for the Ravens leverage, um, the Ravens have until July 17th 
to reach an extension with Lamar or else he will be on that $32 million number for the upcoming season. So really not much to it. Um, just have to wait and see, you know, another seven days from now, kind of who really is interested in Lamar and what are they going to do? Um, what is Lamar going to want from them and how is that going to compare to the Ravens offer? So not much to it. Um, you just got to wait to see what happens in a week. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of throw from it like a, an outsider's perspective. I think we're somewhere in the middle. I, I don't know if – I'm not an advocate for, for fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL. I think that it's such an injury-riddled league that I don't I can't get behind a team – I can't get behind a team committing half a – you know, $300 million to a guy when he could tear an Achilles in week four this year and, and, and it could alter his career. I, I can't get behind it. I can get behind high guaranteed numbers. Absolutely. Um, what I will say though, is we don't have like, we don't have official reports on what's actually going like we, it's hard to get real numbers on this. And I think while Lamar needs to likely needs to probably temper the expectations on what the guarantees are going to be. I do think I don't know where the Ravens are at, but it feels like both sides are pretty far apart from what the other one wants. Um, and I think at some point the front office and the owner, it really, it sounds like ownership is, is what's keeping a contract from getting done. It sounds like front office wants to get one done, at least from, from again, outside, outside perspective. I don't want to say they're burning a bridge, but this is getting into a, like a really, sticky situation where it feels like the ownership and like they're trying to put Lamar in the worst possible situation for him. Like the non-exclusive rights tag basically puts the pressure on other teams to say, Hey, what are your plans at quarterback? How do you feel about your team? Like the Atlanta Falcons, we texted about this. Like they seem like a great suitor, but when you actually pull back the curtain a little bit, like if they don't feel like they're ready to contend, right? Like great win the division's great, but Go, go contend with San Francisco and Philly. If they don't feel like they're in a place to do that, and I don't think they are with with Lamar, they've got a lot of work to do defensively. They would need work on the, on their offensive line. I mean, truthfully, they've got two weapons that both of them have underperformed their draft pick, um, regardless of whether or not you want to blame them on scheme or not. Neither of them are produced at, at the four and ten, four and eight overall pick in Kyle Pitts and Drake London. So you've got to figure out a way to get those guys involved in the offense. Obviously, Lamar would help do that. They needed a better offensive line. They've got to get a good defense in place. It's like they're not in a place to contend with, with teams like Philadelphia and San Francisco yet. They're just not. Frankly, I think even you look at Carolina, the same thing, it's a little bit less for Carolina. But it also feels like Frank Reich, he, Frank Reich wants to get a guy he can feel like he can coach up and become better than Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's clearly it's a possibility that they feel like with some of these guys, right? Like the ceiling – on Bryce, CJ, Richardson, and and maybe even Will is like, what can I make this guy? What can we mold this guy into? And the fact that they've got Frank Reich leads me them to believe that like, hey, we've got a guy in Frank Reich who we think is the, the absolute best. Let's go get him a young quarterback with, you know, surrounded with a lot of talent. So I think, I just think that there's going to be a lot of, um, regardless if, if Lamar Jackson ends up back in Baltimore, there's going to be a lot of bad blood there. Um, and I ultimately don't think it's it's going to go well if he goes back to Baltimore. Um, and I think ultimately, like the Ra- like the Ravens need to decide, 
is he like, is he our franchise quarterback or not? They can't they can't keep playing this game. We're like, oh well, we want to get him at a we feel like that's a bargain. You don't get bargains with quarterbacks. It's not how the league works anymore. It just it's never like sure Patrick Holmes looks like a bargain right now because his annual average is forty five million dollars. But he's guess what? He's gonna get a restructure here in, a, a restructure in the next four years. It's all about timing. Like Justin Herbert and George and and Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow are all gonna sign contracts this offseason that are gonna be. $50 million annually. And guess what? Those are going to look like steals in five years. When the next, like when Trevor Lawrence is up for a quarter, for a contract, when you've got potentially CJ Stroud, Bryce Young up for a contract, when you have other guys up for, up for third contracts, it's going to look like a steal. That's ultimately what it's going to come down to. So Lamar probably needs to come up a little, come down a little bit in what he wants. And I think the, the Ravens need to just make a decision. We're either riding with Lamar or we're not quit, quit going back and forth between like, Oh, we want to do it at this price or, like they got to give a little bit, and again make make a decision on what they want to do with him, because going back and forth is isn't good for either side, frankly. Um, and then you've got the whole thing with the NFLPA and the ownership is there's obviously there's rumors that the ownership is trying to not allow this to happen, which is reportedly like people think this is the reason why this team is still like, hey, we're out on Lamar, because the because the NFL owners never want that to happen again with what happened with Deshaun Watson. And then you've got other people who are saying that, oh, the NFLPA is trying to use Lamar as a pawn or make an example of the Ravens to say, like, hey, we are pushing for guarantee. And, and both sides need to are wrong. This reminds me of politics, dude. Like both sides are just so far up, the, like, I don't know, so far down their own rabbit hole. They need to, like, kind of come out and get to the middle and just agree on something. And this is what it feels like to me right now. That it just feels like both sides are just so. They're so committed to what they're doing. There's there's no give and take at this point. Um, obviously it's ugly now. I mean, this is I don't know. As like a fan of the league, this is not what I want to see happening. Um, even like the chaos is great. Like this isn't the way I wanted the chaos to unfold per se. Um, so I I just it's a whole this is much worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought we'd have gotten to a point this week where we had a clear picture and and now the pictures more unclear than ever. So, um, yeah, I think both sides are, are, are totally – both sides being the Ravens and Lamar both have work to do. And I think when you when you peel it back a little bit and go owners and NFLPA, they got to get – they stop meddling in this. This is not – this doesn't involve them for the most part. This is – I don't know. Yeah, I mean, knowing the Ravens and knowing Lamar, I don't think the Ravens are going to up their – offer i really think they offered him around 170 million guaranteed and that's the second most ever and that's which which i'll just say like if that's like he's made it if if and i don't know if this is legit because we've talked about this like if he just if he just wants the number guaranteed give him a huge give him a long contract and make the guaranteed percentage go down and i don't know what it is i don't know because the rumor was like what Josina anderson said he wanted to like over 253 guaranteed, which is what Deshaun got. Not in a percentage, but that's the number, right? Like, I don't know if that's true or not. We have no idea. I would think so. Like, Josina's an awesome reporter, and most of the stuff she says is legit, but I'm not ruling out anything in this situation of people feeding in, feeding misinformation from either camp, right? So I have no idea. But if that's what he's looking for, doesn't seem it. I don't know. I don't know what time frame he wants it over either, so. Right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really too worried about it. I know the front office, you know, they always normally come out on the right end of trades. And, I mean, I know Lamar's probably wanting 
a certain deal and the Ravens have tried repeatedly to, you know, get him to come down from it less and less each offer. But still, nonetheless, I think, you know, the Ravens are going to do well within the money that they have. And they're not they're not going to overpay for something. Uh, you know, you look at the past two seasons, Lamar's played 11 games. So when you really do the math, it's you're going to pay him a whole lot more per game on an 11-game season than you are for someone else on a 16-17 game. So at the end of the day, I'm not too worried. I just think, I, I mean, I, based off what I've seen, in my time, you know, being a fan of the team, I, they always make the right decision um, in terms of who to offer a contract to, who to not, who to trade for, who not to trade for, what to get in return for a trade. So I'm not too worried, and I just I just want a resolution. I don't really care what the resolution is at this point. Um, yeah, and, and, and you bring up a good point. Like, it's it'd be hard to commit that much money to a guy who's only played 11 games for the past two seasons. Like, like that's a real discussion, and I think that's – with his like his style of play lends itself to injury. There's no getting around that. Um, and I think that's a it's a great point you bring up. And that's I think something that's being lost in translation. But at the same time, this is a former MVP. Like there's just there's so many nuances to what's going on that I, frankly, it's like you. Know, I want to get a resolution and I want this to just like team like the, the deadline is here, guys. Like we got to get it done because the Ravens and whoever's whoever Lamar goes to or if you sit like teams have to play in their offseason. They can't do that without knowing what they're doing with him, right? So unless Lamar wants to take a low cap hit this year and just not make any money this season, which I don't think he's going to. I don't think any quarterback wants to get, you know, $5 million in this year. Like, he's going to have to – they're going to have to get it figured out because unless they want to work a low cap hit for him and totally load up his deal later, like to a, a whole nother degree of loading up a back – like back backloading a deal – especially with as many guarantees, like it's going to be hard. So, um, yeah, I hope, I, I just hope we get to, a, 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 like it's bringing out some, like some ugly, ugly takes from people on Twitter and like people in, in like in the community, like in the draft world or not draft, like the NFL world, like it's bringing out some bad. And I just, I didn't think we'd get to this point, but um, I'll let you kind of put a bow on it here and we'll get into the contracts that were signed. Yeah, I don't think. There's honestly not a whole lot to take away from it. Um, and the terms are pretty simple. It's they have until March 15th if they want to get a deal. Um, and if not, there's going to be other teams competing. So um, the Ravens have until July 17th, like I said. And, you know, as soon as the league year starts, you know, exactly a week from today at 3 p.m. Central, it's, you know, anyone can um, negotiate with them. It's just you got to give up two first. So, pretty much it not too much to it i'm glad they did that over the exclusive tag exclusive tag was 45 million um nobody can talk to him on the exclusive tag and there's no trade value it's whatever they want to trade for so they think that the trade market is not that strong and that lamar is not going to get the deal he's hoping for and that the ravens are a lot closer to the accurate number than lamar is which i think is right so i think the not exclusive was smart but yeah it's pretty much it for that uh six tags used like we said so you know, 26 teams opted not to use the franchise tag, whether, you know, they want to let a guy hit free agency and resign him or they don't need to. Um, ton of different reasons. But we did have the three um, kind of tier two, tier three guys sign to help clear up a little bit of this free agency picture. Uh, Daniel Jones, 
He was signed today at 2.55 p.m., five minutes before the franchise tag deadline, uh, which ultimately allowed the Giants to tag Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones signed a four-year, $160 million deal, so $40 million annually, um, but up to $195 million, including or up to $195 million, including incentives. Um, he's making $82 million over the first two seasons, and $94 million is virtually guaranteed at signing. So a pretty good percentage there, uh, probably about 55%. And then in 2023, his cap number will be $19 million. So not too um, low, not too high. It's just I think it's a good number for them to start, especially with Saquon on the tag. Yeah, I mean, I, looking at the guarantees, the deal obviously was better than off-rip. I just – paying Daniel Jones $40 million a year annually is going to look really tough in three years when – Guys in two classes ahead of him, like two tiers, if not more ahead of him, are getting paid 50. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to be a tough look. But, again, they, I think they've positioned themselves for an out, it sounds like. So, um, ultimately, I think maybe the Giants felt comfortable with them or they just flinched first. Maybe they did, they're not really in a position to go get a new quarterback right now. Um, you know, with the money that they've got and the talent they've got, they – I don't know. They weren't really in a position to go get a quarterback unless they wanted to go trade for Lamar. So, um, I mean, I'm glad, happy for Daniel Jones. He got paid. I'm not, not, I'm not running on his parade. I think he's, you know, it's great that he got the money. I just don't know if it was, um, the 160 was necessarily earned or deserved based upon, you know, the, the portfolio of play we have from him. But nonetheless, um, Giants feel so feel that way. And they feel like they've got a guy they can win with. And I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think they can win with him. It's just going to be interesting to kind of see, what this contract looks like in the landscape of quarterback contracts in the next few years. Um, similarly to the Ryan Tannehill deal, like, um, you know, it looked okay at the time and then it's kind of aged poorly as he's aged. Obviously that's much different, you know, um, age range. This guy's been Jones only 25 years old. So, um, you know, obviously a lot more room to grow, but just going to be interesting to kind of see how this plays out in the next few years. Um, next guy on the list, a little, a uh, little more seasoned player in Geno Smith. Uh, reigning comeback player of the year signs a three-year, $105 million deal um, with the Seahawks. I think this is awesome, by the way. Um, you know, they get him at $35 million a year. They basically positioned themselves. And he's 32. It's three till he's 35. So they didn't have to get him, you know, paid through. He's like 37, 38. So I think it's a great deal. Um, I don't. I, I, well, I haven't looked at guarantees yet. I frankly thought I just haven't had time to. Um, haven't looked at guarantees, haven't looked at what the kind of the structuring of the deal looks like, but, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's solid. I think Gino played great football last year. And if Gino plays that same level of football, um, you're getting, you're getting a a good deal at 35 million compared to what Daniel Jones has got at at $40 million a year. So um, I think that's worth pointing out. And I think that's ultimately, it's a really good deal for, for Gino and um, really good deal for the Seahawks. And I'm really happy for Gino as well. I'm I'm so thrilled for Gino that he's kind of gotten to this point in his career. Yeah, for sure. A guy that's been in the league for about a decade now, making twice as much annually with this contract as he has in his career up to this point about, um, yeah, happy for him, obviously. Don't have any terms other than the, you know, duration and amount. But yeah, it should be good. Uh, you know, we have one more deal to touch on, but these three guys, I think it'll be fun to see how the deals shake out and, you know, based off how they were structured, what ended up paying off the best, um, obviously. Have... The details on Daniel Jones really more so than other guys. Um, but yeah, these three guys all deserving, but especially Gino is a guy that came back, you know, played really well in a team that was counted out 
and really nearly made the playoffs had they had they beat the uh Rams in the week 17 week 18 they would have been in the playoffs so impressed receiving from the Seahawks and they have a lot of draft capital uh some cap space so a lot of stuff to look forward to for that team but the third and final QB contract that was signed earlier this week um was Derek Carr he signed 4 years 150 million about 37 and a half guaranteed or annually, excuse me. Uh, so right in between Gino and Daniel Jones, um, there is a no trade clause on the contract, 60 million guaranteed on the deal. Um, it's a little bit of a lower percentage, about 40%. Um, cap hits are for 2023, it'll be just over seven mil. 2024 will be th- just under 36. 2025 it'll be just under 46. 2026 will be just under 56. And then 2027, um, I think that's 5.7. Is that a void year or? Yeah, it's a void year, um, but it's still kind of tacked. Yeah, it's a void year, but um, they just do it on there and they get a couple, couple few million dollars extra on there in the guarantees. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's so, a void year. Yeah. Um, the cap savings are after year two before the you know two highest years of pay for that contract. So. Uh, definitely a good structure to the deal, I think. Obviously, the Saints are looking for, you know, a guy that can kind of lead them, not obviously to the Drew Brees level, but stay healthy, I think, is the main thing. Uh, they do have a good bit of weapons. They're going to be healthy. Michael Thomas will be healthy. Uh, obviously, Chris Olave, who had a really good rookie year. Alvin Kamara, and a, always pretty solid offensive line. So the offense should be fun to watch. I'm sure Derek Carr's excited to get to New Orleans, get out of Vegas, and yeah, it should be fun to see how they compete in the or NFC South. I mean, structure-wise, like I didn't, I, I guess I didn't love the deal at first when it kind of came out, and then we get the structure of it's only 60 million guaranteed. Cap hits are, you know, seven two, thirty-seven five, or thirty-five seven, forty-five seven, fifty-five seven, and then the void year five seven. Like they have cap savings after they cut them in year two, so. Uh, I thought this was a, another really well structured deal for the Saints. Um, I mean, you're gonna, you're basically, you have to commit to Carr for two years anyways, right? Like you've got to commit to him being your quarterback for two, at least two years. Um, so I think this is, a, I mean, it's a great deal for a guy that is gonna play right above league average and quarterback play for you, average or just above average. Like, I think the way they structure this deal is great. It, it gives them flexibility this year to kind of get through their cap stuff. They save like what fifty million dollars next year cutting Michael Thomas, so they've got, you know, they're going to clear the cap next year. They have no issues after next year for the most part. So, um, this is a really well structured deal. I would kind of expect them to cut him before he makes forty five million dollars in twenty. Was that twenty twenty five? God, it's crazy to say. By the way, Jesus, that's terrifying actually. Um, but yeah, like I th- I figure they either cut or restructure him by then. But I'm not. I mean, how old is Derek Carr now? He's like thirty four. Um, he's not young anymore, so around there, I think. Yeah, I guess 31, younger than I thought, but still, like, you're probably not looking to keep him long term when you get to these 45, 55 million dollar cap hits. So, but overall, really a really well done deal for the for the for the Saints, and kind of follow suit with what Mickey Loomis has done there, um, in terms of contract contract structuring. Um, our last piece of piece of information, um, before we get to the mini series here, um, Aaron Rodgers, uh met with the Jets today. They flew out to California to go meet with him um, after the Packers granted them permission to speak with Rodgers. Um, sounds like nothing's imminent from everything that kind of rap sheet said today. Nothing, nothing's imminent. It sounds like this was just them 
it's part of the process. Like Aaron Rodgers has always been want to take his time. Um, it feels like this is just part of the process. But again, like I'll be curious to see what teams kind of partake in the process, if you will. Um, I mean, I think we're going to find out who does in the, in the coming days, but I think this is obviously great news for the jets kind of off the bat. Um, and I think this ultimately where he'll land. It's just my thought, but again, I don't, and it, it could be anywhere at this point, dude. I just, Look at the situation. Look at what they're doing. I think I think he's going to be a Jet. I will say, if they do trade for him, they're not trading 13. They're, like The Packers are not getting a first-round pick this year for him. Like You have no idea if Aaron Rodgers is playing quarterback for you beyond this year. I'm not trading a first-round pick for a guy for one season of quarterback play. I'm just not. So... Um, right. The only reason that that pays off is if you win a is if you win a ring. So which is just so unlikely, right? Like I'm just I'm not giving up a first round pick this year for him to play one season with me. So I'll give up a pick next year for it when I feel like I'll be picking low in the first round. But um, definitely not gonna give up 13. So they're gonna keep that pick regardless of whether or not they trade for Rodgers. Um, just want to throw that out there as well. For sure, yeah, I do think Rodgers if he does decide to come back, uh, which it seems like he will even though there hasn't been a formal announcement uh, from him um i do think this is going to happen i do think he's going to go to the jets i think the jets are going to try to do what they can pretty much all that they can to get him um i mean everything they've done hiring nathaniel hackett they have the team around a quarterback to succeed at the next level i mean make a run in the playoffs i don't know be tough to say uh but definitely if rogers plays as well as he did in 2020 2021, then I could definitely see it. Um, I think he signs. I don't know when um, or signs. I guess I think he is traded. I just don't know when. Um, but that'd be fun to see him go to the Jets, see how they do um, with a young coaching staff. So uh, whenever it does happen, or if it does happen, uh, probably won't be for a little bit here. Uh, but our cold seat mini series this week, our third edition and the last one before free agency opens. Uh, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo mainly. Um, I think we both think he's probably going to be a Raider. Uh, that makes the yep. most sense. It's probably the best fit. Couple other options that have a long shot kind of dark horse teams. I think one's Tampa Bay. Yeah. Obviously, don't know what they're going to do. I think. It's most likely that he's going to go to Vegas, but at the same time, uh, there's always a couple other teams that hang around until you know they're officially out of it, and he goes to a team. Uh, I think there's going to be a couple other teams. It, the interesting thing here with Jimmy is like, great Jimmy, you're going to sign Jimmy. He's going to play what half the year and then get hurt. Like that, that's that's the the risky run with him. So, um, I think whoever ultimately signs Jimmy. I mean, I say this because I think it's the Raiders are going to pick a quarterback at seven. Um, I think Will Levis is a Raider. I don't know if they're. Gonna, I don't think they're going to move up to get a quarterback. And I think, I think they're ultimately going to be the odd man out. Um, they'll take Jim. They'll they'll sign Jimmy and then get Will and then ultimately Will will end up playing when Jimmy gets hurt. But I just I don't know the, the connection with McDaniel's. Pardon. Like he was the reason that like McDaniel's was the reason that they drafted Jimmy in New England in the first place. He loved Jimmy um when he was there. So, you know, he's obviously not gonna be back with the Niners. I think um, you know, if we don't see a market develop for Jimmy in free agency, I I could see Jimmy being a guy that signs in like June. Honestly. Or like a guy that signs in like August. 
when inevitably someone's quarterback gets banged up or someone's quarterback is just terrible, right? Like something's going to happen and Jimmy could be a guy that reaps the benefit of, you know, say Washington gets to camp and Sam Howell is just, he's just not taking any steps forward. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to go get Jimmy and then we're going to, Maybe let Sam learn from Jimmy for a year, an actual vet quarterback, not Carson Wentz. And then when if Jimmy gets hurt, Sam can go in, yada, 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 whatever. Um, it's, just, it's an interesting conversation around Jimmy, right? Like he's a guy that's been to a Super Bowl. How many quarterbacks that are currently active can say they started in a Super Bowl and almost won? So it's like, but at the same time, he's just so, he just so, he's just so Jimmy Garoppolo. Like there's no other way. He just, he's just so bland. He just, he's just, he's average, right? I mean, so I don't know. I I think obviously Tennessee was a spot that I could, could have seen him going before they committed themselves to Tannehill for the next year. Um, yeah, obviously Minnesota wasn't going to move on from Kirk yet. I think again Tampa makes a lot of sense in their team. That um, you know if they really want to commit to Trask for a year, they can. I think at that point you're. I think I think Tampa and Washington are in the same boat where they're just committed to being terrible next year. Like seeing if they have something in the quarterback they've got on the like young quarterback on the roster, and if they don't, which they likely don't. They go pick Caleb or Drake May. Like that's ultimately what I think is going to happen. So, um, there was going to be one NFC South team that signed Carr and took themselves out of that race. I think that, um, you know, I'm trying to think right now, like off the top of my head. I just I can't think of any other team that would go sign Jimmy, right? Like unless there's a team that yeah. has a quarterback that goes down with an injury in the offseason. Um, like you know, say God forbid, like Dak Prescott had another injury. And he's gonna miss some some time, right? Like, hey, let's go get Jimmy for half the season. Or, you know, maybe Russell Wilson has an injury or something like that. Or somebody has an injury, and they, someone needs a stopgap quarterback. Ultimately, I think the Raiders are gonna be the team that, that that signs Jimmy. Just the connection is just too strong. McDaniel's brought most of that staff over with him um, to Vegas from New England, and um, Jimmy was a coaching a coaching staff favorite over there, so. It just makes too much sense to me for Jimmy to be a Raider, to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that'll happen. I don't know when, but another you know quarterback that could get a similar contract to the three we saw this past week, uh, probably shorter deal. Ooh, it, it I don't might know be if like Jimmy's getting forty but... million, dude. I think Jimmy's getting like twenty twenty five. Maybe a little less, but I honestly think he's probably getting you know between thirty and thirty five, just because of the market, like. If those guys got yeah, that, he can maybe. easily show with his playoff experience and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I just, I think teams are going to question the injury, and then the, like, I wonder, I wonder if teams are going to be like, "Hey, man, you're a one-year quarterback. We ain't paying you thirty million dollars for a year." It's just be, only because the cap, it's going to be hard to hard to swallow over. Right. Unless you throw in void years, which is tough. Like, unless you want to throw in a bunch of void years and eat a couple million of dead cap for three years after he's there, but. It'd be hard to justify paying Jimmy Garoppolo two million dollars a year to just go sit at home and watch film or go look pretty on ESPN. Like, I don't know. It, it, that's that's the only thing I would I would the only thing I push back on a little bit, just as I wonder what, like I wonder if Jimmy's gonna have that kind of market. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it just it's a limited number of teams too. Like, what is if his market's like two teams? Eh, it's not gonna be a bidding war over Jimmy, right? Like that that's the only thing I'll, I'll kind of play devil's advocate for right like i just i don't know if he's gonna be willing to commit the money to him but then again the market's there like if people feel like he's not that far off of what derek derek Carr and geno smith can do shoot pam 30 million dollars i'm not gonna argue about it but i just devil's I just a little bit play devil's advocate for 
why they may not to. But I, again, right. I, I don't disagree that the fact that the market may do that. I the quarterbacks are weird, man. Especially Jimmy. Like I don't know what Jimmy's market's gonna be. Dude, there could be like eight teams like, hey, we want to go sign you, or could there be like one? Like I have no, I have no clue. It's just yeah. such a weird. That's a weird offseason for quarterbacks. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we've seen three guys sign. We still have three other guys and Jimmy Rogers and Lamar that probably going to, you know, all three of them could find new homes, but all three are probably going to have new contracts. So, or at least, at least reworked. Um, that's pretty much it for the NFL today. We will, I guess, next week's episode kind of touch on a little bit about free agency. Obviously, we won't yeah, be I mean, too we'll, deep We'll probably into have some it, early stuff, right? I mean, it'll, we'll probably get – we got to talk about it this weekend, figure out what our schedule is going to be because with, right. with spring break travel for you and um, my parents coming in. And then obviously we got to figure out, you know, how we want to do free agency. Planning the pod on the pod, baby. That's the best part of it, right? Um, yeah. Working out the working out the details on the podcast. But no, we'll 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 probably have a couple bits of 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 information on free agency. Um, obviously, we'll do a big free agency recap episode. Uh, about you know, probably a couple weeks after free agency. Maybe the first episode after mock draft monday we'll do a little free agency recap um but no i think i, I think um gonna be a big week i think this week leading up to free agency opening there's always so much smoke and sometimes when there's smoke there's fire sometimes it's some of the fires already been put out i you know it's just hard to tell sometimes yeah i agree um should make for a couple interest or an interesting couple of days leading up to yeah. monday so when it really starts, obviously can't sign contracts till Wednesday, but nonetheless, Monday is when the action gets going. Um, but to round out this episode 41, we're going to hit the ice bath. Uh, we each got a little something today. Um, I'll kick us off and I'll let you finish the episode off. So my thing is that the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, um, have been one of the most successful franchises over the past 25 seasons, or probably 20 last, you know, the last five, they've been pretty poor. Um but especially this season has been tough. Uh, they continue on their quest for the top overall pick. Currently have the highest odds to acquire it. So it should be interesting down the stretch. Uh, they just lost back-to-back games to the Houston Rockets, who are also fighting for the top pick. So, um, you know, may edge out the Rockets there when it's all said and done. Um, but yeah, rough season for the Spurs. I don't know when Popovich is going to, you know, call it quits. Um you know, I'd like to say after next season, but I'm not sure. Uh, really rough season. A lot of young guys, a lot of growing pains. Um, you know, some guys having injuries obviously doesn't help at all. But, I mean, when you're wanting the top overall pick, I guess it is all helpful. Um, Victor Wemanyama, the overwhelming favorite to go number one overall in the draft. Um, about a seven foot four French guy, super skinny, uh, that can really do everything on the floor. Has great handles, you know, your modern day guy that you see going mocked high, you know, the overseas guy who has freakish upside. Uh, you can shoot the three ball at a high clip. He has Goodman range, obviously can, you know, knock down stuff under the rim being seven foot four. So a lot of upside there with him. Really hope he's on the Spurs or else it's going to make for another um, rough season to endure in 2024. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I think the Spurs will have the top pick. I hope so. Um, barring them going on a streak here, uh, a run in the in the closing uh, weeks of the NBA season. But just something to look out, look after as you know the draft order will start to get finalized uh, bit by bit, starting pretty soon. He's a unicorn. I mean, really, I mean, this is he's probably the top prospect coming out of the draft. And how long, dude? Like probably since Zion. 
just because right. the class has been kind of weak the past few years. Like he's a freak, dude. He, he literally, he's like he's a Giannis. He's like a he's like Kevin Durant, but like seven three. Like that's not the comp. Like he's just a bigger Kevin Durant, which is wild. Um, yeah. I, he's a freak. He's a total unicorn, dude. Um, but on my my uh, ice bath this week, I mentioned earlier, uh, spring break this week. Um, I'm really looking forward to just unplugging for the week, dude. Getting away from school. I need it so bad. Um, being a senior is kind of tough. I'm not going to lie. All these senior level classes are tough. I'm not a fan. Get me a week off. I need it so bad. I'm going to work a bunch, make some money while i got time to. But um, just excited to kind of unplug from school for a week, relax. Um, not have to deal with all that stress. Of course, I have a cumulative midterm. You know, the Monday after spring break, which is so yeah. sick. But um, nonetheless, just a week to unplug, um, you know, get some work done, hang out, uh, make some money. See my parents this weekend since um, they'll be coming up, like I said, hitting up EV Mays. Still excited about that. Um, and I was really, really excited to unplug, um, you know, going to get a good chance to dive into free agency as well, um, which will be cool. So um, good week to unplug, kind of dive into the passion a little bit more than just school, um, which I'm not always passionate about sometimes. Um at times, some of this stuff is kind of boring, you know. Sometimes it isn't, sometimes it is. But um, we're looking forward to jumping into the NFL this week and um, just kind of getting a week off. But um, other than that, that, that wraps up for me. I know, um, you know, kind of a packed episode with just NFL free agency stuff, kind of pre-free agency getting in there. Um, obviously, the combine was big, um, took all the weekend. And then, obviously, we've got, um, you know, the mini series we had today as well. But um Kind of wraps it up. I'll let you kind of put a bow on the episode today and uh, give us any closing comments you got, and we will uh, get out of here. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking for, forward to spring break as well. Uh, Friday's last day of classes. Then we have 13th through the 17th off, getting back to it on the 20th, I believe. So should be fun. Um, fun week off. I'll be home for six days, so I'll, only, I'll come back here for the big baseball series that kicks off Big 12 play that we'll get to. Uh, we'll start covering college baseball when conference play starts. Really exciting season so far. A lot of movement in the rankings. A lot of mid-major teams playing really well to start the season off. So um, that pretty much wraps it up here for episode 41 of the Cold Seat Podcast. Um, thank you all for tuning in. If you didn't, yesterday we dropped our second-to-last 2023 NFL draft positional rankings episode where we covered safeties and off ball linebackers. Our rankings were the most different they have been yet uh, in our positional rankings. So make sure to go check that out. And then this upcoming week, we will have our final positional rankings where we're going to cover interior offensive line and quarterback. So um, plenty of stuff to tune into here on the pod and we will see y'all in the coming days. Uh, Make sure to follow us on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter at cold seat podcast and see y'all soon. See you guys soon.